Welcome to Alchemy, the home of the open mind. Thank you for tuning in and hopefully you enjoy the show and the variety of eye and ear opening guests we bring to you on a regular basis. We're currently free, completely non-profit and available on demand from alchemyradio.net and iTunes. And our listenership is increasing all the time. So thank you to all our new and old listeners or not so new even. You're not that old, are you? Unfortunately, the associated costs are great. We rely on donations to keep the show in its current free and ad-free format and are very grateful for any help you can offer. There's no fixed cost on the donations and it all helps. So, for example, if you could spare something small, even like the price of a cup of coffee or a cup of tea every month, it would go a long way towards keeping us afloat. The donate button is on the website and all support and assistance is hugely appreciated. You can also check us out on Twitter and Facebook. Get following and join the community. Say hello and don't be shy. So then, on to the show. Now we had some sound issues from about an hour into the interview and I've managed to clean them up as best I can so bear with myself and Clint we do get through the information it is listenable too although the sound quality varies from place to place so hopefully you enjoy things nonetheless This week's guest is Clint Richardson and in his own way he promotes unbiased and unhindered information that's both based on the ancient liberal arts or the trivium and without fallacy mixed with his own brand of sarcastic but sharply painful commentary of what is reality. There's going to be a lot of that on this week's show and I'm very much looking forward to it. So Clint, you're very welcome to Alchemy for the first time. How are things? Uh, Good, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It's a great pleasure. So I'm going to ask you the question I ask absolutely everybody when they come on the show first time. That is the all-encompassing, how did you get from where you were to where you are now? Oh, well, that'll take up the whole show. <laughs> We've got all the time in the world. <laughs> uh, no, I, well, the, the quick version is, um, you know, I had, uh, I had, I had a, a, a very rare form of cancer when I was 17. And I've talked to other people who've had similar experiences. Um, I was actually, strangely enough, I was diagnosed with, um, it was back in 19, about 1989, 1990. And I was diagnosed with AIDS. Wow. Which was the strangest thing I'd ever heard because I had this cancer that only only people with uh, absolute shot immune systems would get, either people over the age of 70 or the you know people that had this immune deficiency thing that they didn't know anything about really, and that they were just pretty much telling people that they had it without testing them, and that's what they did to me. And I'm like, but wait a minute, I've had one girlfriend. How could I possibly have you know? How, how can this be? How can this be? And it took them two or three. Actually, it took a total of three weeks to get the test back to be negative. Um, turns out it was cancer. Um, and this this really rare form um, that was caused by some military dumping of uh, of fuels on a local military base uh, called so uh, it was called Aerojet actually in the Sacramento area and it tainted the entire well system and just a short time later my my brother's youngest son developed the same form of cancer and it's it was a what what they call a cancer cluster. And so from that point on, 
that kind of gave me, if you will, a mortality complex, what I like to call it, made me sort of uh, want to want to go out and see the world. I traveled. I, I specifically got jobs. I dropped out of school. I, you know, started playing music, started getting into the more spiritual side of life and uh, traveled, got to see all these other cultures, including yours, and was just like, why are, why are people so interested in America, this cultureless void place here? <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, I saw, how, I saw how steeped religion and everything was based in these cultures, and it was just fascinating to me. And eventually, um, because I didn't die, which was sort of a strange concept to me, I settled down in, in Hollywood, uh, between that point, uh, I, I was in New York um, working for the airlines there and uh, went through 9-11, saw that with my own eyes from my rooftop, Wow! Uh, suffered through that, went through the... Went through the routine of trying to get food from the local grocery store, which, you know, are every other corner, and, uh, you know, having to wait, you know, through, through the line and halfway through the store, and eventually getting up to the check stand and having nothing left in the store because all the bridges and everything were cut off. And so I got a sort of a first-hand look at how that would uh, feel to be in that kind of situation where you really, uh, there's no food to be left to, to be bought because you're in this militarily closed off place with soldiers not letting you into your own home. So I, 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 I seemed like I was always in these, I, I don't know if I was the right place or the wrong place at the right time to experience sort of these things that we all talk about in this, in this alternative sort of radio circuit, uh, Thing. And so I just started researching. I wanted to know why I had cancer. Why, had a, why did I have a cancer that only shows up in, uh, in certain people? And, and I, you know, at this point, I've discovered the answers. I did a film on vaccinations, and I plan on doing another one uh, that's way more detailed now that I understand what's happening. Um, and I, you know, it just led me to this point where I just started researching pretty much full time. I haven't, I haven't had a, a job in uh, seven, seven or eight years uh, that I can show on any records anyway. My resume in Hollywood is now worthless um, because I, I could never go back to that propaganda machine. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I ended up here, and I've been uh, full-time researching. I've never charged anything for my work. Everything's always been free. Um, and, and there you go. Um, that's, that's, that's what's led me here. I finally got to the point where I'm like, wow, I got to write a book because, because <laughs> there's so many pieces and, and, and you, you, to, to, to connect all the dots that I've uncovered at this point, it can't be done in these sound bites or blogs or, or, or documentaries even. It's just, it's, it's too huge. The, the conspiracy, if you will, the matrix is too huge to uh, possibly you know, just speak about in, in, in short sound bites, unfortunately. It really is, and it's so all-encompassing as well. And your work tends to encompass so many of the different dots that need to be connected. And that's one of the things that drew me to it initially. I like the fact that you are willing to discuss many different seemingly unconnected dots and then join them up as well in your own inimitable style. So was it the vaccine issue that first kind of turned you on to, if you want to call it conspiracy research or alternative research, or was it a combination of things all at once um well you know i like i said i moved to hollywood i, I was there in, in in new york for 9-11 in manhattan um just just about a mile away and 
the the things that transpired over that that period of time with, with the news and and with everything that was happening was was very very strange. Um, in fact, I, I would give credit where credit is due. The only decent information we ever really got before the finals, before the official story was on every channel, was from Howard Stern of all people, because he's local and he was, he, you know, he's actually helping people out. I mean, we, we'd have people showing up to our our little apartment covered in white dust and they, you know, wanting to take a shower and that kind of stuff. It was, it was a very interesting. I, I, I would say I'm very glad I was there to experience the weirdness of it all, especially the media weirdness mm. of it all. And that always stuck in my head. And, you know, I went to Hollywood and I experienced the propaganda machine firsthand. I experienced the the script writers and how they had to change their scripts. And, uh, you know, I was, at the end, I was the lead sound designer for uh, games, video games like Resident Evil um, and those those type of franchises. So it was a big company and, and everything. But but the, the, the aspect of the of what we were putting out um, was so disturbing. And finally, finally, what really got to me is I heard an interview about a, about a guy that was dropping bombs uh, from a drone. You know, he, he would go to work in New Mexico on a military base, drop bombs on women and children, uh, and, and, you know, with collateral damage of 99% or something like that, and then go home to his wife and children as if it was a normal day's work. And I kind of realized at that point that what I was doing working on, you know, anything, everything from zombie games to uh, movies to uh, games about warfare that puts you right in the first person. You know, I never really thought that those were that, I never really thought about what those were actually doing in the minds of young people, but truly, um, it, it takes away your empathy, it takes away a lot of things um, the, the, for instance, the, one of the ways we get sounds is we go out and we record live. And to get those great screams for some of those monsters uh, that I was, a, that was kind of my specialty to do monsters. Yeah. Well, well, for instance, we'll castrate a pig. Really? And you'll get that true horror, that true pain that comes out of the screams of the pig. Wow. And that's what you're hearing when you're when you're playing games and you're hearing um, these these horrific sounds and monsters and screams and that sort of thing. You're you're literally hearing the worst kind of pain and suffering, all mixed into all these other special effects and stuff. And that that you know again that made me consider. I I was like, okay, here's a guy who gets into a video game booth, has no empathy for what he's doing on this interview. None, none that I can see. Uh, doesn't care that he's killing innocents, basically, and I—that was what made me quit. And I said, I, I can't do this anymore. Here's my beautiful resume with all these projects completely wasted, and I used my skills to start doing my own little, you know, informational documentaries that I knew never would go anywhere big. But uh, yeah, that's that's what really I think. I think of all the turning points, that was the big one, and I also experienced probably one of the worst identity thefts where I figured out, hey, my identity, if it can be stolen, it must not be mine. You see, there's a Pandora's box, isn't there? Right. Yeah, and it was one of the most stressful times, of course. And I learned also uh, something very valuable. 
that you have to have a breakdown every once in a while. If you don't, if you don't allow your body and your mind to have these sort of mental breakdowns, because you start to see reality for what it is, you start to pull yourself out of the matrix, uh, the legal matrix, the the false, the artifice. Um, you, you really have to have a breakdown. You have to let yourself mentally break down. Don't cover it up with drugs. Don't cover it up with uh, whatever it is you your your hobbies or what. No, let yourself break down. Let yourself let the pain come in. Let the let the trueness of the suffering that's happening all around you come in hmm. because on the other side it makes you impervious to to ever going back to the state where you don't see it again. And that was a that was kind of a hard lesson to learn as well. Yeah, I, I, I'm actually blown away just going back to the the idea of the pig being castrated. I mean, I shouldn't be surprised by that, but I am. I'm genuinely stunned, and it's no wonder that it made you question that kind of thing. Made you question what it was you were doing for a paycheck. But then the other thing. ID theft and anyone who's experienced that I haven't personally but anyone who has will know it's not a nice thing but I mean you've alluded to something that most people won't even even if it's happened to them they, they won't actually question that well how can this happen and if it can happen and be allowed to happen what is the construct behind an actual ID so I think that's a good place for us to go because you're very well versed in what the system sets up in terms of identification and how to really really embed our IDs which most of us associate with us the flesh and blood man into the matrix so uh, what, what was that like for you first tell us a little bit about the ID theft and how it did wake you up to the fact that there was something else going on within the matrix. Well, you, you know, you got to consider. I'm I'm on Hollywood Boulevard, having you know, I'm living the high life. I'm I'm doing a job that, that uh, a thousand people are lined up to get my job. I'm I'm I'm, I'm living it good, you know. I'm, a lot of people in in Hollywood are only interested in the actors, but people who know production and post production, you know, I had one of the cream of the crop jobs, and the, and sound is is a very incestual, uh, if you will sort of position it's a very small number of people that do sound as opposed to all the computer graphics and the camera work and all that it's a very small group you'll, you'll notice in the credits that there's just a little section for sound designers and sound editors mm. so i was very i was very pleased i and, and the only reason i got there is because i mean <laughs> i hate to say it well i don't hate to say it i'm it's one of the lessons learned the reason i got that job is because i interned for six months and I worked my, my butt off learning everything I could um, to the point where at the end they would have been stupid not to hire me at slave wages. So I worked for $10 an hour for quite quite a time uh, after working for free until I got to the point where I was charging 35 40 an hour more more towards the, the industry standard, if you will, mm. right? So I'm, I'm sitting there living the high life. I'm a good little citizen, right? I've got all my credit and I've got, uh, you know, everything I can want in that type of lifestyle, which is a lifestyle I'd never want again. So all of a sudden I start getting these letters that say I'm opening credit cards. And then it turned, went from credit cards to loans. I started buying cars and homes because I had such good credit you know i had this credit score yeah um and i couldn't handle it i i got there was so many things happening um in this identity theft that i i i eventually gave up because one i i realized hey it's an inside job i'm i'm, I'm here with bank of america and every time i get a new card from bank of america which happened about nine times 
I'd, I'd, I'd turn it on and immediately try to spend the money and it would be stolen out of my account. Okay. And I'm like, there's, there's just no way that can happen unless something is is happening on the inside. It's just, I mean, split second before I can even, you know, <laughs> I, I go to the store, I activate the account at the store, try to spend the money right then, and the money's been stolen. And I'm like, this is this is impossible. I, I try to I try to uh, I try to fix the problem. I go to the credit agencies. I realize credit agencies aren't there to help me. They're there to give you a score. Hmm. And you you know, uh, after a while, I've I've been writing a book about all this uh, called Straw Man, actually. And after a while, you you realize all of this is a, a very ancient system um, <laughs> that. I don't know if I can explain it, but just to, just to give you one example, that that word uh, FICO, uh, your FICA score. Um, when you actually look up the word FICO, is that related to your credit rating in the U.S.? Yeah, uh, federal in federal. Uh, I I can't remember what it actually stands for anymore. You, but you have a FICO score, which is called your credit score. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay, so FICO means any act of contempt done with the fingers expressing a fig for you. And that goes back to the, the actual, the Bible, where you have um, the, the fig, uh, the fig apple, which is the apple of Adam and Eve, the fig, the fig leaf. It's a whole intense uh, uh, biblical reference, actually, this FICO score. A fig is actually... Uh, something from the fig tree, which is a fig apple, uh, is to insult with phycos or contemptuous motions of the fingers to put something useless into one's head. <clears throat> right. So, <clears throat> if I'm insulting you, if I'm if I'm forcing these phycos, f i c o e s, upon you, then I'm putting something pointless or useless into your head. And the idea of the apple or the fig apple pulled from the tree of knowledge of good and evil is literally concepts that are that are man's imaginations that are absolutely useless information most of our commercial activity most of our the things that we do are purely useless information money for instance is purely a useless tool it, it requires belief in its existence and its value mm -hmm. um that kind of thing. So we, we have all these concepts of good and evil when, in fact, all of nature, there's no such thing as good and evil. Nature just exists, right? It's just it's just what it is. It's, there's no good or evil. Only when man applies uh, the, the as aspects of nature does it become good or evil. These are concepts that have to do with the FICO. <laughs> and, and so we're given a FICO score. And trust me when I say that is not, an, uh, that is not just some... Um, uh, accident or coincidence. All right. <clears throat> uh, what what could be more worthless? What could be more useless than a credit score? Right. So there you go. You, you find that all these words, all these concepts, go back to an ancient system, an ancient feudal landlord-tenant type of system based on uh, mammon, which is valuation of everything. Mammon is an interesting term that goes into, it's not money per se, it's the value that we will allow things to be valued in. Um, for instance, a man can be sold as a slave for a certain value. That's actually what mammon means. The money is simply a tool 
uh, for trade uh, that gets used to do that. So the like, whole thing just goes back to this, this, this basically this ancient uh, Old Testament type of law, if you will, uh, that uh, <laughs> that amazingly is completely intertwined into our system. This is why I had to write a book because um, you're, you're basically taking the lawful man next to the legal man or the legal person, I should say. And you're and you're you're, you're look you're comparing um, you know how did Christ walk how how's every man supposed to walk in, under God and under God's law or the natural law whatever you want to call it whatever makes you comfortable mm. and how how do how do we walk in personhood in citizenship under the gods of the nation? Okay, well there, I'm I'm just going to interject there for a sec because there are a couple of distinctions that I think are worth reinforcing for people at this point in case it's information they're coming across for the first time. Um, straw man, of course, which is in the title. Of the book explain what the straw man is you've touched on it there so for those who don't know what a straw man is and don't necessarily know that there is a delineation between the legal fiction and the actual flesh and blood man or woman or as you've just described walking with christ or natural law and then man-made law what are the differences there clinton what are they all about so the straw man is—it's first of all—it's a very legitimate term. It's—it's—it's it's, it's unfortunately been thrown around by a lot of quote-unquote gurus who want to sell you their paperwork or sell you their—their their, basically their FICO, their worthless uh, crap. Um, straw it comes from the Latin, and, and what you find is that the. One of the biggest reasons that we have such problems is that we're speaking in English. English was actually designed to be a language for the common man to make him illiterate no matter what he does. And that's a whole other subject. But we, we actually call English, uh, if you look in Black's Law and other sources, they call it dog Latin. Dog refers to a four-footed beast or animal, the, in other words, the human or animal form of man that can be controlled, etc. So stromaneus homo is actually the Latin term that means a man of straw, one of no substance, so it's just the form, it's an image, it's a false you know, a false man. It's not real. It has no substance. No blood is, is probably the most accurate term. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's put forward as a bale or a surety. Now, surety, um, the, the way the system works is that we act as surety or insurance. We put our bodies up for the, to insure the person or the, the, the man of straw, the, that, that fiction that we operate commercially under in the nation, whatever nation we're under. Um, and that's, that's basically, you know, once you get that down, you figure out what bale and surety, you know, bale of hay, bale of straw. Um, uh, you figure out what surety means, and you and you again, you go back to the Bible. What does the Bible say? Never be surety for another. Never respect persons or flattering titles. Well, everything we do is in respect of persons and flattering titles, whether it's the queen in her title, uh, whether uh, and person, whether it's our own, whether it's Clint Richardson, the person of the United States, which is which is actually property of the United States. Um, and essentially, it says take no name. Well, that's what we do. We take a surname, we add it to our first name, and the reason they call it a last name is because the last name refers to the last will and testament or the last intention. So we, we're, we're taking what they call the Christian name, and that's not my term. That's actually the legal term for the first name, yeah. the, Chris, the Christian name, which, which if you had that alone— 
you, you could not be thrust into the legal system. You have to mix nature with artificiality. You have to mix the real man with the artificial or what they call natural person. Uh, natural, the legal term, any legal term is going to be opposed to anything real. So when you say natural in the legal sense, it's it's going to mean unnatural. It's kind of it's it's very hard to get that that type of thinking in your head. But anytime you hear anything legal, it's always going to be opposed to nature, i.e., opposed to you know the the one true God as they as they define it. Um, so the notion of the straw man or the man of straw, just a term, it, you know, don't get too caught up on the term itself. It's merely speaking of the person. Uh, the maxim of laws says that while all persons are made up of men, all men are not persons. The other maxim says that a sovereign is not a person. A county or a city is a person. But a sovereign, uh, such as a king or uh, uh, someone who is actually acting uh, without the legal system or the legal law, man's law, mm. then they don't have a person. The only way you can have a person is to add that surname to your Christian name, that last name to your first name. And again, this is not my, um, I, I never speak in opinion anymore. I'm, I'm strictly speaking from the legal side. Um I, I try to answer people's questions uh, as a judge, as, a, as an honest and, and true uh, legitimate judge, if you will, uh, as, 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 as a judge bound by the maxims and principles, uh, the foundations of that system of law, which is the strict law, the written law, the Roman law. Mm. Um, and it's, it's hard because, again, you have to think fictionally. You have to think not literally in anything you do. You always have to think metaphorically, uh, artificially, and, and a lot of times every word we use in the legal sense is opposed to source or nature. So it's very difficult. So you say a man of straw. Um, obviously, straw, straw can be broken. Straw is, straw is, is, it has no real substance. It's hollow. It's, that's the reason they use uh, the concept of the straw man or the man of straw, because it's, it's, it simply has no, no substance. It's, 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 it's so fragile. It's, <laughs> it's, um, it's simply a token or a, um, I, I, you know, the best word is person. And it, when you when you discover what a person is, then you know it it, it becomes clear. This is why I had to write it all down. That's the thing, and to codify it, then we're essentially dealing with the creation of a company or a corporation on birth that happens to have the same name as the name you go around using and and take ownership of yourself. So the man and woman, let's say you're called Joe Bloggs. Um, there's a corporation also in the name of Joe Bloggs. And when you're operating within the state, you're using that legal fiction, to use the term that you used earlier on, and that's why you are bound then by the man-made laws as opposed to the natural laws that the man or woman, who can go by whatever name they choose themselves, can should actually be living by. Would that, would that be a correct summation of what you've said then? Yeah, I, I, to make it easy for people to understand, I'm sure your audience is pretty up on, on a lot of this, but it's, it's very similar to renting a car or, for instance, playing a Monopoly game where you, you choose a little person, a, a representation of yourself. Maybe it's the shoe, maybe it's the car. Hmm. What's, you know, what's, what's your vain favorite 
you know, avatar that you're going to play by. And as, as soon as you choose to, to become or, or represent yourself as that fictional entity, that car or that shoe, well, then all of a sudden, you see, it's not you that's under any law. It's never you. It's no, no man is bound by any of man's law. Only man's property, only persons are bound by the law. And if I'm operating in that shoe, well, that shoe is property of the monopoly board, of the corporation, the nation, right? So I have to follow the law of the sh of the shoe, the law of the person, in other words. And they call it the law of person. So what it means to be put forward as bail and surety is I'm saying, okay, I am going to ensure that this person... Um, operates commercially and does so according to the system of law that's set up to, 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 to regulate and administer persons. And if that person does anything that is against the law, well, then I'm offering myself, my true self, my body, as, uh, as insurance for that. Right? Now, most people go to jail for their crimes because time is money. Yeah. If you have money, you, you notice that rich people don't go to jail because they pay their way out. They pay their bail, um, and they're, they're home free. But the poor and the middle class go to jail and pay for their crimes with time because time is money. Money merely represents the labor of some future or past you know, event. Uh -huh. So it's a promise to pay, in other words. So, you know, again, you're talking about another good example is the chessboard. You know, as soon as you agree to play the game, then you're bound by that law. If I, if I go and I play, well, then I have to only move my knight up two or three spaces and to the left and to the right or, or whatever the law says. Whatever the license is given for movement in that commercial sphere of those uh, uh, black and white squares, right? I, 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 as soon as I enter into the matrix, I am bound by the law of the matrix, right? I can't, I can't, I can't pretend that I can, I can, I'm, I'm able to do something um, it, it, that I can't. Is I'm bound by that law, and that's the interesting thing about legal law is that it, it's actually a very limiting law, where well, at the same time, it, it allows you to act against the natural law. It gives you. Um, uh, the word license is a is a simile, sim synonym, excuse me, for anarchy. The true the true sense, generic sense of the word anarchy is actually lawlessness. Um, now people will argue and, and say, no, anarchy is this. And no, I'm I'm only talking about the the, the true the true meaning of the word. Um, it not not what what flattering title you've come up with just like christians will say i'm a christian and then act and do nothing you know christ-like right okay so when um, you when you say lawlessness there is a general assumption then that the law is good that doesn't necessarily mean that it's something bad because it's lawless is that the standpoint you're coming from there so for example um anarchy being without ruler which would be seen as a good thing if you're not ruled by anybody else is that where you're coming from when you say lawlessness uh, not the not the concept of a of a ruler per se, um, because you can you can have no ruler and you can have a system of law and still 
that that law will sit there and and be unobeyed, which is pretty much mm. what's happening in our government. Our, our government is not following its own law. It immunes itself from its own law, so it is actually standing in an anarchical position. You know, the the monarchy is another example. It's 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 above the law. It has no law, but but its own. So. You know, we, we can't charge the government, for instance, of a conspiracy because it's immune from such charges. Yeah. It is the conspiracy. That's what con- combination and, and confederation actually mean, conspiracy. So our very government is a conspiracy. It's a plan between two or more people to put people under a system of law or injure. Injure simply means to be to put someone under your system of law. That's uh, jure means by right or by law. So in jure, you're, you're literally. If I sue you, how how can I sue you? Um, I'm saying, well, I'm not going to let. Uh, and, and you'll forgive me. I don't wish anything I say to be religious, because the Bible is against religion. The Bible is against the state. The Bible is actually the the, the highest law. The Bible is not religion. And so when I say. The concepts like I'm going to abandon God's law, which is charity and forgiveness, and I'm going to sue you in a court of law. Well, that means I have to disrespect all of God's law. I have to respect persons. I have to respect the authority of the God that is the judge or magistrate of that court. Mm. Uh, if, if you look up God, it means magistrate, mayor, president, king, pope. That's that's what the word God is. And that's why people get confused with the Bible is they think the word, anytime the word God is used, it must mean this, this entity that nobody seems to be able to define. Uh, what it actually is is the king translating the word God uh, into kings and queens, and um, you know, it's always men that are doing the damage. It's never, it's never the the concept of Jehovah, in other words. Um, and that's that's a whole other conversation, obviously. But it, it's interesting because the, when when you get the definition of God under your belt, and you verify each time you see a word in the, in the Bible. Uh, that oh okay that's that's the, God, the word God is almost a meaningless word it, it's it's a it's a generic term that is strictly an English term uh, which again is designed for illiteracy and the reason the king uh, of course uses the word God for kings and magistrates and mayors and all that is because the king is God he's the vicar of God he is the, literally the God's replacement on earth. And I've got plenty of uh, old colony paperwork uh, and opinion to, to show that when the colonists move over here, they recognize the king as God, and all of our natural rights came from God, which was the king. And that is absolutely correct and is verifiable and traceable back through documented, again, verifiable evidence, because a lot of people will automatically cast aside the Bible because they feel they're not religious or whatever whatever may, may be the case. But it's impossible to have a conversation about the law, the legal law, without mentioning the Bible because that is where man's law actually stems from. Isn't that correct? Well, it's this is why I say I'm, I'm, I'm sort of pairing up like the, the path or the walk of, Je- of, of Christ. Um, remember, there was no J, so it gets a little confusing. But and, and then the, the path of the legal person, uh, the, the man walking under the law of man. And no, the law of man is generally uh, opposed to the law of nature. There's no reason to have law 
uh, of man if you're following the law of nature. Mm. So all of man's law must therefore be opposed, uh, or, or if you will, in anarchy towards the natural law. Okay, and that's hard for people to... Again, to take the word in its in its, I did a whole write up on what anarchy actually means. There is no dictionary in the world that will define it the way people like Mark Stevens and, and other sort of famous anarchists define it. It's just it just doesn't work that way. It's a flattering title being used by people to sell products at this point. Um, and you have to know the true meanings of words, or the words will deceive you. They will put you into this delusion. Um, and that's my whole point, is to say, okay, I understand where you're coming from. Just don't call yourself by a word that means something opposite to what you're promoting. Mm. Um, that's my big, you know, why do you insist on calling yourself something, you know, that, that, that isn't... Um, that doesn't have anything to do with the actual term and how it should be used and should be applied and how it is applied in, in the Bible, how it is applied in law, how it is applied everywhere else except in your little world. Yeah. Now, again, I don't mean offense by this. I'm not giving you my opinion. I'm saying, hey, this is how it's – this is everywhere I look. This is how it's defined uh, except by maybe a few – quote unquote anarchists but uh, who am I going to listen to right am I going to go to source or am I going to follow a a, a group that claims to be under a flattering title well I, I'm going to do I'm going to follow the anarchist group as much as I'm going to follow the Christian group knowing that there are no Christians Christian is Christian is let me put it to you this way man the Bible doesn't say come and be a Christian there's, there's no there's no concept of Christianity in the Bible. That's purely an a, a, an act of man. That is purely to get you to join a religion, a corporation, an artificial person, which the Bible is against, and to love the church and hate the Bible because the church doesn't ever preach the Bible. Because if it did, it would show that the church is against the Bible's precepts, the Bible's law. All right, that's the fascinating thing about it. So the church serves two very important parts. It causes you to either love, um, to either hate the church and therefore by connection hate the Bible, or it causes you to love the church and therefore by connection hate the Bible. It's a remarkable You're feat of sleight of hand, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's all illusion. It's all word magic. It's all, you know, I call it the DNA of words. You know, when you when you break this down and you, you finally understand how the illusion has been put over you and how everything, I mean, you notice Bible is outlawed here in public school because they want you public-minded because the Bible teaches privacy. The Bible teaches you how to be a private man under the natural law. The public system wants you to be completely dependent on the public system, right? That's mm. the difference, and that's why that's why the public system wants you to go to church or it wants you to hate the church. It doesn't matter as long as you hate the Bible, as long as you're never, ever going to see that. And I want to be clear here. I am not promoting any church, any religion, because the Bible is not religion. The Bible is the what's called the unwritten law. Okay, this is the quote-unquote common law. The problem is, and as the courts define it, the Bible is not a law that is enforceable because it's not a positive law. It's what's called a negative law. A positive law is something that we say, I want a right, man. I want the right to do this positively. 
But see, you got to you, if you want to be free of that positive law system, all law from Congress is positive. Well, then you're going to have to think negatively, and that sounds like a bad thing. But of course, in the legal language, everything is opposite. Yeah. So I want the Bible is the negative law. The constitutions are actually the negative law. What that means is that hey, this is what you cannot do to me. The negative law is the law of being left alone. And it is a duty for all men in an unwritten capacity to, to, to leave everyone else alone, to not intrude, to not try to force anybody's hand. Mm. That's what we all talk about when we talk about the natural law, right? And it's right in the Bible. You, you can't dismiss the Bible. Um, in fact, everything from the trivium method, uh, all of these different things are actually from the Bible. They, they've been stripped out of the Bible. The Bible has been put aside, and we snap the, the name Trivium, or we snap the name whatever. And that's how, basically, all of these movements have started. And, again, they're designed to make you, you know, come out of the Bible and, and never learn the true nature of all these things, the true source of all these things that we've developed these movements on. And again, I'm not just saying this. I, 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 I was a hater too, man. I hated the, the church. I hated it. And then I just picked up the Bible because, as you said, no decent researcher out there can study the law and possibly miss the Bible. Yeah, it's when impossible. Bible, when, 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 it's, when it's the very foundation of all law. And when you read the court decisions, it, it literally says it's unenforceable. That's the very problem with it. And all the system of law that's built on top of it, all the legal aspect of law, is strictly there as a funnel, as a, as a sort of a trap to say, if you don't follow the Bible law, not the religion, the law, then you will be bound by the legal law. The very reason that we are in uh, the situation we are is because we respect persons, which is against the Bible law. We, or I should, I shouldn't call it the Bible law because it's really similar in all cultures. Scripture just means really ancient knowledge. Um, so I would call it the spiritual law or the law of nature, right? Mm. And, and the law of nature, really, if you think about what that means. It means to follow the very harmony and structure of life itself, respect it above all else, never put any titles on it, never give it a name that is more powerful than it. Because the second you put a name on something, a noun, a person, place, or thing is a noun, or noun means name. The second you put a name on something, then you, you automatically start assuming that you have control over that thing yeah and this is where slavery comes from this is why we have such a horrible you know system of food uh, production and everything it's because we treat uh, literally treat quote unquote god's creation creation is a word that's not an event in history it's timeless it's priceless it's happening at all times right now as we've spoken in the last hour how many people have been born and how many people have died that's part of creation creation is not a if you think spiritually if you think timelessly and pricelessly then all of a sudden you start understanding what these concepts are the word god as defined as jehovah actually is a verb it's not a name it's a verb and it means all that is in existence 
all that is happening, all that has happened, did happen, and will happen, right? That in nature. That's mm-hmm. what actually God means. It's not some some figure in the sky that the church created. It's not some artwork. It's not some concept or anthropomorphization. Um, it's certainly not a man because man is part of the creation. So you have to you have to you know consider yourself as part of that oneness that is all of creation that is god that is jehovah that is the true meaning of the the word that's used in the bible and when you get that my friend when you say oh, okay so the bible is actually telling me something completely opposite than religion tells me that god is this sense of all being uh that is natural that is not man-made well all of a sudden the the, the whole Bible changes. The whole concept of religion goes out the window. You're no longer worshiping some some man. You're actually worshiping nature. You're actually worshiping that creation, including yourself. And you're admitting that you're just a very small little cog in a much bigger machine. And that's beautiful to me. That's spiritual. That's what. That's what truly. That's where the law comes from, because the law of nature. Law means force or source, right? What is the source or the harmony of all of life? On uh, Why does it exist? Why are we designed, if you will, to breathe air and drink water and just happen to be in this garden that allows us to do that? And then the, the next question is, what happened to where we'd want to cover it up with concrete jungles? What happened where we want to start improving over something that's that's the perfection and harmony of mm. nature and that is what the natural law is it is to protect the very force and source of our life our life force it's not to worship some extraneous figure or image or idol and and again this is the bible this is not me this is <laughs> this is what the bible says when you get into it you look up every word in the strong's concordance in the chaldean lexicon in the in the thayer's greek greek lexicon in the in the original in the latin in the greek in the you know when you actually in the hebrew when you see these words and their origins the entire intent of the bible shows itself to be 100% against religion and 100% against the state because the state is the is its own creator, its own god. And this is why the Bible says all of the gods of the nations are idols. What is a god? A god is a magistrate, a, a creator of artificial things and artificial laws, and the administrator of those laws. So, sorry, I'm, I'm ranting, but uh, you get the you get the you get the passion that I'm saying. Look, we've been tricked. We've been turned away from this very source, the very structure of law in all of these first world countries. I guess would be the best way to describe it. All the Christian nations, all that, whatever you want to call them. Mm. We've been turned away from the very source, the very stumbling block of law once you once you disobey this foundation of law and you start worshiping everything that's artificial instead of worshiping everything that is real then you're bound by the law of the artificial because who creates artificial things not god Oh, just man. Man is man is the devil. Man man the the the, the word devil means evil genius 
That's what it means, man. It's, it's not a word that means, you know, there is no afterlife in the Bible. See, these are the concepts that start becoming incredibly clear. There is no talk of an afterlife in the Bible. What the, the concept of life and death, spiritual life and spiritual death, is life itself lived in a dead contract, a mm. mortgage. There you go. That word mortgage, eh? Yeah, you become spiritually dead by living under the person of another. That's the concept. That's what that's what the concept of Christ. Why why are there so many zombies rising from the dead in the Bible? Why did Lazarus come back to life? Why are there hundreds literally of people coming back to life uh, in the Bible because they didn't die. They came they 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 went into a state of spiritual death by being under Caesar. Caesar, who says, who's the Pope, essentially, who says everyone must be registered, everyone must be taxed. Taxed, the word taxed in the Bible means to take everybody's name, register it, give them a person. Yeah. Right? So that is spiritual death, to be under a false god. Uh, false god merely meaning not the god of nature, right? Caesar. Caesar means district. District is the District of Columbia, the nation. All right, and mm. all these words interconnect, and it's freaking amazing once you see it all and you get on top of it. And of course, again, that's why I'm having to <laughs> try to write it all down because it's so it's so intense, right? But the, you know, the the point the point is, I guess what I what I really want to tell people is, yes, the state absolutely does and must recognize the highest. God, the highest level of God, which we, you know, is called Jehovah, the, the God of nature, in other words. And it, it, it actually recognizes it, you know it recognizes it, in insurance. Because what do they call something? What do they call lightning? You know, if your house gets flooded or your house gets burned down from a lightning storm, what do they call it? Well, it's an act of God, isn't it? Exactly. That's how you know. You know without a doubt that the state recognizes that there is a higher force beyond it, that all, that all of its laws only have to do with artificial things, and that the highest law is over the real. The, the, the trick, my friend, and if I were to, if I were to sum, if I were to do a, a really easy summation of what the, the character, the allegory of Christ, which is not to be worshipped, but to be followed religiously as the law, right? Mm. Um, right. You're, you're supposed to literally follow the, the, the path or the law. Uh, the, the word law means son, and the word son means word, right? They're all the same concept. The son is the word, the word is the law. It's, it's, the, same, it's the same word, Um if I were to sum what, what Christ was trying to tell people, it would be really simple, man. It's just, hey, keep it real, man. Keep it real. Don't fall for artificial things. Don't prostitute yourself. Don't mercenary yourself. Don't be a soldier for pay. Soldier, the word soldier comes from the word money, uh, from a gold coin that used to be paid to Roman soldiers. That was a soldier, <laughs> right? That, being in the military, being a police officer, you're a mercenary. There's no other way to look at it. That's what it is. Mm. Not my opinion. That's the definition of law. They, another word for that is prostitute. Yeah. Okay. So it's simple, man. 
Live in reality. Stop participating in the matrix. Stop taking a person, which means status in society. What is a person made of? You said it's a corporation. Yeah, essentially. It would be it would be more easy to understand the concept of a straw man if it was a paper man, because all contracts, all identifications, all numbers are written on paper, right? Mm. So it's a man built of words on paper. And it's interesting because you talk about um, the natural state, if you like, a natural law. And if somebody goes into a courtroom, we've all heard of swearing on the Bible, whether we've been in a courtroom or not. That's how they generally, they swear somebody in. So if somebody's getting up to speak, they swear them in if they're going to testify or give evidence or supposedly speak the truth. And as you've described it, the Bible is pretty much the antithesis of man's law and that created legal law so what do they do they get you to swear on the very document or book that tells you you should not swear an oath in other words they get you to extricate yourself from natural law and enter their jurisdiction or the realm of man's law so people get up in a heap about it oh i'm not religious i don't want to swear on the bible i don't want to do this and i think they're missing the point because it's actually a parlor trick and everything is in reverse they're getting you to do the opposite of what you think you're actually doing Yeah, um, I'm not religious is a very interesting concept because you actually are religious. And let me tell you why you are religious. What does it mean to do something religiously? Well, I'm right now drinking a cup of coffee. I religiously drink a couple cup of coffees every day. Yeah. I religiously follow a law that says I must have coffee. Maybe you're you're an alcoholic, maybe you're a drug addict, whatever it is. You're religiously doing something. What are you going to do after the show? Well, maybe I'll turn on the TV and watch my favorite sitcom, reruns of Friends, whatever. I don't know. That's a religious action. What am I going to do at Christmas time? Well, I'm going to do exactly what society has built up in in complete nonsense. I'm going to put a Christmas tree up every year. I'm going to tell them, I'm going to lie to my kids outright and say that Santa Claus is going to give them gifts. I'm going to lie to my kids outright and say the Easter Bunny exists. I'm going to lie to my kids about just about everything. That is a religion. You are participating in a pagan religion. You just don't know it. Mm. You don't want to admit it because what does it mean to act religiously? It means to follow a law. What is the Bible? The Bible is law. It is not religion. If I go to a religion, well, then I'm following. What's the last thing the Bible tells us? It says to seek no other doctrines. This is it. You don't need anything else. Take no other doctrines of man. What do you do when you join a religion? You're taking the doctrine of another man. You're taking the law of a church over the law of the source, law of the Bible. And I want to be clear, because we call the moral law, the scriptural law, the natural law, the law of God, all these different terms, we call it the unwritten law. And so one of the riddles you have to figure out is that the the, the law or the word as they call it, of God, the natural law is not made up of words. The word of God has no words in it. Words are a creation of man, remember? Hmm. So the word of God is the very structure and harmony 
of life itself, of nature itself, the, the, the entire universe, whatever you want to, however far you can put your mind out into that endless state of being that we, that we would call Jehovah God, right? It's the very thing that keeps us alive. It's the, it's the air we breathe. It's the water we drink. It's the food we uh, put into our bodies. And we, I always, I always, one of the things I hated about the Bible was the concept of sacrifice until I, until I came to read a couple of authors, obscure authors, um, and and I, I and I actually found out that sacrifice is the opposite of slaughter. What do we have? We have slaughter yards. We we, we care not the way our our food is treated. We again castrate pigs just to get sounds, um, good sounds for zombies or or alien creatures, right? Mm. In fiction, uh, we 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 harm nature to create fiction and that's a very strange concept that can be found nowhere else in in nature except with man and that's why man does need a law man does need a moral compass man does need this sort of self-evident law uh, that again is not made of words it's the respect of the harmony of nature the the, the pure empathy um, no apathy you know so sacrifice is something where uh, you're you're actually not the not the cult sacrifice, you know that that is pointless. That you're sacrificing to some god. I'm talking about hey, uh, the Arab culture, for instance, that hangs a lamb and slits its throat and worships the the, the taking of the life and regrets the taking of the life, but honors it as a sacrifice to to sustain our life, right? It's a. It's the most humane way. It turns out to actually kill is to slit the throat and bleed out the uh, bleed out slowly. Um, that seems to be the most you know uh, according to whoever uh, the most humane way to uh, to kill and and the most sacrificially acceptable because you're, you're they're not suffering as they do in these slaughter yards and so again. We, we have to get back to the notion of sacrifice. Everything we, every part of nature, every part of that harmony of nature that we destroy, every time we build a building or build a, 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 a road or build some, some artificial construct over nature, we must realize that it's a sacrifice and we must ask the question, is what we're doing in harmony with the natural law? Do I, do I really need a, a massive concrete jungle or are, are we maybe doing something wrong and, and inharmonious? Why are we acting out of harmony is the question. And the answer to that is because the legal system is anarchical in the true sense of the word, lawlessness in the face of God's law or the natural law. Mm. The whole point of legal law is to is to Duhame's legal dictionary is a good source and it actually defines the word legal as anti God or anti nature. Well, that says it all really, doesn't it? Yeah, that's why you look at the legal person, which is an act of man, a creation of man, and you look at man, which is an act of God. All right, you can only go down from an act of God, and you become an act of the state. Which means, um, and this is the thing I want to get across here, folks, you will have a God. I, I don't care what your opinion is. I don't care what you think you've learned. You will have a God. Okay, that God is either going to be the God of nature. 
uh, and I don't care, again, how you, what image you have in your mind or what you think that means. You're either going to be under the natural law, which is self-evident, self-existent, doesn't need man's words or opinions, or you're going to be under the state, the gods who created the legal system, the matrix, that sucks you in and gives you an artificial sense of existence. Okay, You're going to have a god depending on which law you follow. Okay, so to counter that then, Clint, I'm going to throw my hands up in the air and I'm going to say to you, but like, what am I meant to do? How can I live in the world today? What am I meant to do? Go off and live on an island? I have to live in society. I've got kids who have to go to school. I have to pay my taxes. I have to do A, B, C, and D. What do you expect me to do? Well, if you're you're foolish enough to uh, believe that public school is a good thing for children... Well, uh, I've already lost you. Um, Because really, all of these things that you're talking about are a way to take away the one thing that is required in the natural law, which is pure and utter self-responsibility. Okay? You you get to send your kids to school to learn the public law, to learn the positive law, and, and to be torn away from the Bible and the negative law? Why would you do that? Why would any... You know, I always ask the question, my friend, I say... Why would anybody in their right mind do all the things that we do? And and the answer to that is no one's in their right mind. We're we're caught in a matrix. (laughs) We're we're literally caught in something that is designed to take us away from our very true self. And this is the this this is the notion of identity. uh, Or it's it's two words, man. Id entity. What does it take? What does it take to, to, to keep that going? Well, it takes ego. So the entire public school system is there to develop an ego. It's there to make you believe that you are that straw man, that you are that identity, that you are that number, that name, that, that all of that, right? So you ask me, where do I go? Well, I hate to, I hate to break it to you, but nature never went away. God, if you will, God's creation, nature, never went anywhere. People decided they were going to build a bunch of shit on top of it. But that's, where do you go? You go back to nature. You, <laughs> Where is the matrix, is my question. Where is the matrix? Well, the matrix is very much either in our heads or on top of nature. Exactly. So if it's all fiction, if it has no substance, if our persons have no substance, where are you going back to? You're already there. You're not actually going back. You're just realizing that you're already there. The truth is you never left. Only in your head did you accept these lies, these fictions. You've never left. What you're trying to avoid is jurisdiction, a, a, a system of law is what you're trying to see. You, 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 you think that that's a place. And indeed, it's a jurisdiction, just like a cartoon can only exist in a cartoon world. And, a, you know, <laughs> a character in a book can only exist in the pages of words of that book. Guess what? A person, a legal status, can only exist in that fictional jurisdiction that has that takes up no space, actual space or substance in nature. It's all in the mind. And so you're not your goal is not necessarily to go anywhere, although 
you know, it's 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 obvious that there is this concept of persecution of people. Um, I like the. I hate to always use the Matrix movie as an example, but it is truly the best example. And I've broken down in my second book. I have a whole breakdown of the Matrix and where it comes from, the books that it's actually plagiarized from. Um, which, if you read those books, the whole movie becomes almost comical compared to what the actual author was trying to tell you, mm-hmm. um, who was a French French philosopher and and, and teacher in uh, in France, uh, in Paris, I believe. Um, and I can send you that information too. But the the once you read this simulation and simulacrum, once you understand that we're living in a simulated reality and a simulacrum is actually a copy without an original, which is, which is a very deep concept. Um, once you understand that, once you, once you see the simulation for what it is and that it has no substance, just like Stromini is homo, a straw man, a man of straw, it's not real straw, obviously it's, it's metaphoric and it has no substance. Okay. You have to detach yourself because you've attached your Christian name, your real name, your gift of God name, if you will, to a creation of the state. And it's the last name, so it's the last will and testament. Your will is shown, your intent is shown that you want to abandon the natural law and you want to get the rights of, uh, of, of someone who is leaned against um, whereas in, in God's realm, it's unalienable rights, as they talk about. They don't say that for persons. That's for men. men. Only men have unalienable rights. You give up those rights to accept political or positive rights when you enter into a personhood, a status. Right? You're becoming the shoe. You're becoming the, the, uh, <laughs> the uh, chess piece. You're becoming the personification of some concept. So... My answer is there, there is nowhere to go because every place on earth has been claimed under some legal jurisdiction. Okay? You, you, you don't have to go anywhere because you've never left. Only your mind has been shifted into this alternative reality. And that might be quite difficult for a lot of people to get their heads around if they're encountering the information for the first time. But it is really that simple. And I know certainly as I was growing up, I always prided myself on being at least semi-intelligent. And as a result, I overcomplicated so much of what was going on around me and in my life. And things don't have to be as complicated as, for example, the public school system tells us that they are. I think there's so much, so many smoke and mirrors out there and so much to distract us and to pull our attention away from what's really going on that if we break things down and codify for ourselves as you've been doing for the last hour, Clint, things do seem to emerge with a much clearer light or a much clearer kind of... Um, a beam upon them and things do become quite simplistic and if people return to that simplicity well then it becomes a lot easier to navigate the matrix if that's what it is that you're doing and a lot easier then to extricate yourself from certain parts of it step by step again if that's a path that you want to go down for yourself so let's look at that I mean for somebody who decides okay I get all this I understand what Clint is talking about I realize I've been tricked, and now I want to do something about it in a practical sense for myself. Does that mean I have to become, heavy quotation marks, a free man and risk going to jail? Or what can I do for myself to empower myself to remove, even step by step, myself from the matrix and to remind myself that I am living in nature and to, again, to to return to nature? I understand that we're not really returning, but to use that term for want of a better one. 
it's 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 tough. First of all, anybody that uses the word Freeman, avoid like the plague because they haven't even done enough due diligence, enough research to understand that free means franchise, mm. and a, a free man is basically what is what happens to a slave when he's citizenized uh, and, and put into what's called freedom, which is a franchise. Okay, explain that one because that's going to be a difficult one to grasp. Yeah. Um, well, if you look up the word freedom in any legal legal dictionary, you have free, which is franchise, and you have dom, which means dominion. So you're, fra- you're free to, uh, uh, let's take a rat, rat in a cage, which is essentially the same as a person in uh, in a jurisdiction or, or, or us within our borders of our nations, right? Rat in a cage. Um the rat has freedom to move within the cage. Does that mean that the rat is naturally free or politically free? Well, it's not naturally free. Exactly. I mean, the, the answer is self-evident. That's the that's the beauty of of finding this uh, this sort of hidden code or this hidden law, which is not hidden. It's it's self-evident. It's obvious. It's right there in your face. You've just never thought this way before. You've never actually thought spiritually before. Um, or, or thought in pure reality before. And the definition of God, again, uh, what's so interesting about it is, is God is defined as anything that is self-evident or self-existent. Mm. Okay? My name is not self-evident. Clint Richardson, the person, is not self-evident. It's something that needs to be proved to exist in a specific jurisdiction. Clint... The man, the, the as you say, the flesh and blood man. All these terms that, that are thrown about in the in the in the straw man, you know, thing and the movement. Um, yeah, that, I'm self-evident. I can look at you, and you can look at me, and I, I, you know, one of the one of the funniest things is when people stand up in court and they say, "I'm a man." Of course, the judge knows you're a man. He's not stupid. All the judge wants to know, and this is key, is whether you're acting today in person. Or you're today the attorney or representative of that person. In other words, are you the agent of that person? Or are you, in fact, appearing as the surety for that person? Okay? So, to understand the entire structure of how this works, you must understand agency. The agency relationship. A A similar word to agency is trust. So you have the trustee and the trustor, employee, so you have the employer and the employee, you have the master and the servant, you have the principal and the agent. These are all the same concepts, okay? We are agents for our principal. The principal owns the status that it is assigned to us, the person, the persona, and we operate in that persona, that status, as an agent of our of that principle, so we in in America, we then use that commercial status to interact with the states. The states being foreign, private uh, lands, basically territories. And so we're all in the United States. We're we're all foreigners to wherever we live. I'm in Utah. But I'm not one of the people of Utah, I'm one of the people of the United States, which is a foreign jurisdiction. Right? So, I'm an agency. The state is a third party I deal with. My 
through my principal, my principal, my employer gave me a status that I operate, a commercial status, and I operate that status for, in a foreign land, which is the state, the territory, and I'm bound by the laws of that agency. That's how it works. Hmm. This is like any employer-employee relationship. If I'm, if I'm an employee of an employer, then that employer can send me to a third party, a corporation, a nation, a country, whatever it is, and I'm dealing as the employee, as the agent of that principal, I'm dealing with a third party. That's, that's, that's the essence of commercial quote-unquote life, which in the Bible is called spiritual death. Civil life, spiritual death. They're the same thing. Is there any prospect of coexistence at all? Can somebody dip in and out of it, or is it all or nothing, in your opinion? Well, the, uh, the way the legal dictionaries define a free man, a, tru- a, truly, a truly free man, um, is one who's obviously following nothing but the law of God, the, the word of God, right? Following the Son, however you, however you want to say it. And they actually call that man a religious man. You can look these terms up. Religious man would be someone who's immune from the sanctions of legal law. Okay, this is why you, why uh, monasteries are built. A monastery is a sanctuary. What is a sanctuary? It means that there's no legal law allowed there, and therefore there is no sanctions or punishments of law allowed there. Mm. So you, you can certainly live in that kind of situation and uh, have, have this sort of guaranteed safety, if you will, um, this guaranteed sanctuary, um, or you, you can take it the hard way and you can follow the steps of Christ. Who will be, and you will be challenged at every border, you will be challenged at every place you go. And if you don't know the law, if you don't understand the uh, system of, of law that is the natural law, you will probably lose the battle. And it is a battle because, I mean, the authorities, for want of a better word, are not going to give up lightly. So just say, for example, you decide you're going to operate outside the system, but you still want to use a public road. And you get stopped by the police or whoever on the side of the road, and you decide to use your newfound knowledge of natural law versus legal law and man-made law. It's not necessarily going to stop you being pulled out of the car and carted off in in handcuffs, is it? (laughs) No, and that's that's the best answer I can give you is that the difference between living a legal life, which is, again, spiritual death, Mm. and living back in nature spiritually alive and aware and under the spiritual law is that you have no insurance. You have no safety. You have no security whatsoever. You have no army. You have no militia. You 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 are responsible for you. And your property. The only property you can actually have is your children. Um, the courts take your children because you uh, you birth them. You you birth them into the legal system. Explain the term birthing because it's not the same as being born, is it? Uh, no, no. Um, a, a ship, for instance, uh, a ship on the sea, uh, which is essentially what a what a citizen ship is. It's a it's a, a vessel. 
provided by the state to sail the seas of commerce, which is under the law of the sea. All right, that's that's the that's sort of the poetic version. Even though it's true, it sounds kind of corny. Um, water is a word that, when you look it up, it means. We, we say that we're underwater, for instance, when we're so much in depth. I was underwater when uh, I was hit with identity theft. I could not possibly pay all those bills. I had to get them discharged, written off, right? So water is, water is a term. There's that echo again, darn it. Water is a term that does not mean water, okay? Uh, the sea or the holy sea is a jurisdiction. Okay, it's a commercial jurisdiction. And, and keep in mind that the civil law and the ecclesiastical law both created by the, by the popes. Okay, and remember, the legal system is what is opposed to God. That's very important to understand. Mm. The, the pope wanted to separate secular and, and what he calls his spiritual jurisdiction, so he created the civil law, the, the law of persons, the law of fiction. It all came from Rome. In fact, the legal dictionaries still tell us that if all else fails, we fall back to the law of Rome. The electoral college process is part of the Roman process. Uh, everything we do is pretty much straight from the Roman system of law. There's nothing unique about America, by the way, um, and, and really not much unique about uh, the, the, all the countries that are in the United Kingdom. They all, of course, fell under the fell under, there were companies of the, of the Vatican, right? So, uh, the, the, the question about being birthed, um, when, when I, when a ship comes into port, it fills out a bill of lading, which is basically a birth certificate. And you, you, you stress what cargo is, is upon the, the ship, what's being taken ashore. Um, and, and what's being given away. You look up for delivery, delivery means to abandon. So a ship delivers its good, meaning it's abandoning those goods from its leading, from its burden. Um, and so when a, when, a, when a parent actually births the child, puts the vital statistics of that child onto, onto a, a birth document, and then that document is certified into a birth certificate, you've just created, that's the birth of a legal entity. So, so now we have an identity. That doesn't mean that, that that identity has anything to do with the flesh and blood uh, man, as, we, as we're calling it. Um, the baby, in other words, your child, a child being a legal term as well, is not necessarily in any way attached to that birth certificate. And, and this is this is uh, one of the, the hardest things to realize is that this whole system is voluntary. People don't like to hear this, but the entire structure that we're under is voluntary. Even the Queen of England has come out and said that uh, she, she rules by the consent of the government, the volunteer volunteerism of 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 the nations and the you know the kingdom. So what's really interesting about the word volunteerism is you got to remember every word has a dualistic structure. So what's the legal definition of volunteerism? Turns out volunteerism has another name, and that name is the doctrine of master and servant. 
That's what volunteerism actually means in the higher language, the, le the king's language, the legal language, okay? And when I say higher, I mean higher in authority when you're under it. Uh, not that it's better. <laughs> so when I'm birthed into a system, um, what I have to do in order to become or to be surety to that person is start using its name. And so we're taught to have our children confirm and ratify the, the birth process. So we, we're not actually part, we're not actually the person. The person just sits there until we start using its name, we start signing our, our we start signing our Christian name with the surname attached to it. We, we get a social security number. Social security is, is under the UN and World Bank. It's now in 140 countries or so. Uh, China has the same social security as we do. It's all over the place. It's the way that Caesar in all nations is, is registering every soul on earth into legal fiction. Um, and so, so you, you, you actually confirm the bond and surety to that person that was created at birth by using it. You become, a, you become the end user, basically, and you start signing your name as that person. Instead of signing just your free Christian name, you're signing your franchise name. You're operating in commerce through the property of another, and therefore you're bound by the law of another or a stranger. Right? So that's how it works. We're voluntarily. Now, you don't have to ever use that name. You, don't ever, you can always avoid using that name. Unfortunately, that means that you're going to have to make your own way. You're going to have to live in nature. You're, going to, you're not going to get the benefits of the state. You're not going to get the benefits of, quote-unquote, public education. You're not going to get uh, certain benefits, um, which, of course, a benefit is essentially an inducement to contract, right? Yeah, like a, a benefit isn't necessarily a good thing. For example, if, um, if the state decides to give you bed and breakfast for the next 20 years, that's a benefit. So they send you to jail. That is technically a benefit, isn't it? So I, I guess the, uh, the answer to almost every question that's going to come is like, well, how do I drive? Well, actually, the, the laws uh, say that a private person, the idea is to become private, right? Right now, everything we do is publicized, right? There, people don't even have a concept of what privacy is anymore. Um, privacy, privacy is to not be a public citizen. It's to be a private citizen of wherever it is in, in this in this in this nation in this place it's to be a private citizen of the territories which we call states mm. states are foreign to the united states right so that's a private man a private man here has no united states or national citizenship um so that's the difference between territory territory means land and nation which means status and if you have a, a national status, well, then you have no land. You cannot. You cannot own land in a public capacity. You can only own land. The landholders are all private, right? Okay. Has, has, has been that way since the dawn of time. Wherever you live, wherever I live, as a public citizen of a nation, um, means that we cannot – our blood is tainted figuratively by the law called, called a tainter – and we have no, we're not legitimate heirs of a bloodline, so we cannot hold land. That's that's the way it works in America. It's the way it works anywhere that there's landholders. The only difference between here and, and where you are 
is that the landholders hold of the queen uh, or of the crown. And in America, it's called a lodial title, um, which is basically uh, you're, you're holding it, I, you could say under God, but these, these people are so ruthless that I wouldn't say that. Mm. Um, you're holding it of your own right. How about that? Um, so I guess what I'm trying to tell people is that you're actually, every question that you're going to ask, well, how do I do this? How do I do that? You're actually unjoining. You're, you're, you always, we're taught to think that the only way we can do something is if we get permission from government. Well, to, to get that permission, to get a permit, to get a license, to get anything, uh, we have to join. We have to be part of that society. We have to somehow be a citizen of it. Um, and so we accept this the status, this public status, which takes away all of our natural rights, replaces them with rights that are bestowed by the false gods, the state. All right? So I'm telling you, no, if you want to be free, you're going to have to unjoin, and you're going to have to give up all benefits, all all false rights, and you're going to have to stick to the right that it is your one and only right to be left alone. That is God's law. And the state recognizes that. I have a lot of people who've actually turned in the Bible at, to show that that is their law. Mm. Um, and and the, the registrar's office is actually very excited when someone comes in because it happens so rarely anymore. Uh, I think these judges and some of these registrars are actually very happy to see people wake up from, from this legal system and actually say, look, I want to, I want to, I want to follow the, the higher law. Uh, I, 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 I think that citizenship is almost like a test. It's like a spiritual test. You're either going to fall, and you're going to do very well, you're going to get all corrupt, you're going to have a lot of money, or you're going to be poor, or you're going to whatever, or you're going to break free from it, and you're going to become spiritual. You're going to become a, a holy man, if you will. I think that's the test. Is to be, you know, how many will actually become private? So are you saying, Clint, that people are walking into registrar's offices in the States and bringing a copy of the Bible and saying, look, I want to act in the private as opposed to public, and that's being accepted. In the States and in Canada. Um, wow, because a, there are people who try that here, and it is just, it's a recipe for absolute disaster, unless you are assiduous in crossing the T's and dotting the I's and knowing exactly what you are doing. I mean, it's, it's next to impossible to do here. It can be done, and people will say it can't. It can, but... Um, yeah, it's a very, very tricky thing. I mean, it's certainly not for the faint-hearted. Well, I, you know, I, I even I've I remember reading Samuel Johnson. Samuel Johnson did the first dictionary in seventeen seventy something, I think, uh, in, in America, and and his definition for citizenship, I think, was literally that that it is a test to see whether a man can be fooled uh, his whole life. I, I can't remember what it says, but mm. I was fascinated by that because it literally, citizenship is a test, just like public school is kind of a test. You know, the whole idea is just to get through it, right? You, you're, it's like an obstacle course set up to see if you are able to overcome all of the evil that's put in front of you. Evil just means artificial. Uh, what is artificial? That's not, seriously, if you take evil and you break it down, what is evil but but all things that are artificial? Because the only thing that's against the harmony of nature are things that are artificial. Yeah. 
right? That's evil. It's simple. It's it's not it's not a mystery. It's not some uh, image or for uh, you know something that the church created. No, it's just what is artificial. If you can overcome what is art, if you can overcome the representation of reality, which is art or technology or artificialness, and you can go back to nature, then you win the game. And and that's the only way you can do that is to again follow the law of nature, which is which they call the law of God. Um, and again, you're 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 being reborn. Nobody likes to hear that term, right? But it's a true statement to be reborn. Again, why were there so many zombies rising from the grave? Well, in the Bible, it actually says that Jesus Christ posted uh, a piece of paper on a cross or a storos, a stake. Uh, the word cross is a mistranslation. Um, when you're talking about a stake, you know, we all have a stake in the legal system. We have an estate. We have um, property, uh, even though we don't have property because we're public. Um, we have all kinds of things that, that constitute our stake in the fiction. And what does Christ say? He says, pull up your stake and follow me. Pull up your cross and follow me. Cross being a, a mistranslation for the word storos or stake. Mm -hmm. Again, everything has a literal and a metaphoric, but in the Bible, everything is metaphoric. You have to know the literal to understand the metaphoric. So you take the stake, which is a physical wooden stake in the ground, but uh, our stake in money, our stake in mammon, our stake in the legal society is a fictional thing. It really is, I said at the start, a Pandora's box, and I think it's something we could talk about for many many shows and many many hours and never really get to cover all the information there is so much there I mean I'd love to do a follow-up show with you as well Clint because it's utterly fascinating but there is one question I want to ask you about I think I know what your answer is going to be but I know there are a lot of people who will be interested in this question so I will ask it and that's with regard to the issue of taxation um, for those that decide okay well I want to live publicly. I'm pretty happy with the way things are. But I don't like the way the state takes 70% tax. 20% would be much fairer. Taxation is theft, that argument. Where do you stand on that? Um, you know, I, it's funny you ask. I, that's the one thought I didn't finish. Um, in, in America, we have a, a – um, I shouldn't say in America. I should say in the United States district. Mm-hmm which is a jurisdiction that it spreads around all the land, basically, uh, all the public lands, where, where we exist in personhood. We have Title 42, Section 1981. It's my favorite U.S. code. I think people should make T-shirts of it. Nobody ever has. Um, it, it, it tells you what your rights are. It's actually the statement, the government statement of what equal rights are. It's a statement of equal rights. And it says very specifically, it says, you have the right to be put in pain, punished, taxed, licensed, and exacted. Exaction is the worst form of extortion. Because extortion is one thing, but exaction is to take something that is not your due. All right, so when a, when a police officer get, writes you a ticket, he's basically... Right, he's, he's having you sign a promise to pay for something that is not his due. Okay, that's exaction. When I take your property uh, or a bank takes the property because you didn't pay a $100 fee or something, that's exaction. Okay, it's extortion. So 
you have to understand that as a surety for a U.S. citizen, and I'm sure it's the same everywhere, mm. it is my right to be taxed. It is my right to be extorted from. It is my right to be put in pain and punished and licensed and all those things. That is my right. You think rights are a good thing, but when... We always have to consider source. What is the source of your rights? Is the source of your rights God? Or is the source of your rights a false God? Okay, if it's a false God, then those rights aren't given to you. They're given to a person, its own property. I'm either property, an act of God, or I'm an act of the state. You choose. It's your choice. It's your voluntary action to accept Either the fact that your rights are unalienable, which means none of this U.S. code applies, or that you accept the Title 42, Section 1981, and every other law that says amazing things that nobody ever seems to read, um, and you can be put in pain, punished, tax license, and extorted, exacted from as your right. But you see the right under the natural law, the negative law, that's all positive law. The negative law says it's your right to not be exacted from, to not be put in pain, to not have your shit messed with, to not ever be bothered by the legal side. And they acknowledge that. that that's why they have to positively list it as law, because otherwise it'll, it'll assume that, that you're falling under a negative category, which means they can't. What they do to you, what they allow themselves to do to you as surety for their person, their property, is listed as positive law. Negative law is the presumption that you are not under the positive law and you're to be left alone. It's absolutely fascinating, and I think many, many people's minds will be blown by this conversation. I was going to talk, it occurred to me a little while earlier, to talk about canon law, but I think we'll probably be here for about another three hours if we, uh, if we start talking about canon law and why canon law seems to have just been, it just disappeared over the last number of decades. I mean, we used to hear a lot of things about canon law and how important it was, and all of a sudden canon law doesn't seem to be a factor in everyday life for people maybe that's because when you combine the legal law and canon law you realize that the game is up you've got the full rule book so to speak and it brings you right back to the bible and you know exactly what's going on and we couldn't have that now could we well who's you know you always ask what what's the source who created canon law was it god or was it the gods of the vatican Exactly. Well, we know it wasn't God-God, i.e. universal God. Well, the canons are made up of words, so we know it wasn't... It wasn't uh, <laughs> that's the litmus test. You know, if, if the law is, is, is made of words, and it's not self-evident, it didn't, it, it didn't grow on a tree, it, it, didn't, uh, it doesn't swim in the ocean, it doesn't fly through the air, and it certainly doesn't walk on the land, so, gee, it must be artificial. Mm, exactly. right? Now, what's interesting about canon law is, and I was very shocked when I found this at first, um, is that the law of the Bar Association, the, the recommended uh, conduct of a Bar Association lawyer in the, in the rule book, or the handbook of, of, of the Bar, are actually called canons. Well, that is interesting. And, yeah, so it's... Uh, 
which which tells me that it's it's the recommendation. It's like again, it's sort of an unwritten, almost like an unwritten law, but in a completely different way, um, because obviously uh, lawyers are not following that law, uh, which says that uh, there should be no TV commercials or any any type of selling of services. You're, you're there to serve. The people in the capacity of uh, of a of a, a juror of, of someone who's who's um, familiar with the law, and, then, and you're supposed to help people circumnavigate through the law. But that's not what lawyers do, right? That's the <laughs> I, I one of my favorite things, dude. I should send you this, but the the in Scotland they call attorneys devils and devil masters. Yeah, it's the same in Ireland, yeah. Right. That alone, I mean, that alone should give you pause to participate in a system. Um, and, and, and by the way, the word agent and the word attorney are the same word. So if you understand agency, you'll understand the concept of what an attorney is and what an attorney does. So by acting as in your own agency or, or appearing, when you go to court and you say, I'm the agent, for service of process for this person and you hold up the birth certificate, um, they're going to have a holy shit moment because you realize what you are. Yeah. You realize, you realize that you're not that person. Um, I've seen gurus stand up in court and I'm not the person, I'm the man. And the judge, if it's a good judge, will offer some hope, you know, some some clue to these people and the judge will use he'll tell you hey you are either you're, you're on the right track but you're being a total asshole uh sorry if, if i can't cuss you're, you're being an asshole right now you're telling me something self-evident i know you're a man don't tell me you're a man don't be don't don't insult my intelligence by telling me you're a man mm. that's foolishness that's absolute foolish rhetoric don't ever do it they're gonna look at you and they're gonna know that you don't know what you're doing when you say I'm a man, not a person, okay? You're there because of a person. A person needs to be administered. An account needs to be administered, discharged, whatever. So when you appear, when you don't appear as the person, but instead show up as the agent or attorney uh, for that person, the person being uh, of the source of that birth certificate, when, you, when, when, when these gurus show up and they say, I'm a man, I'm a man, I'm a man, the judge will actually say, look, I'm conducting a business here. This is an administrative court under commercial law, international law. Um, you are either John Smith or you are his agent. Hmm. That's what they're going to look at. I am only looking for two possible things. I'm either looking for the person, the name, which means that you'll stand up and say, I'm surety for that name, or I'm looking for the agent for that name. Yeah. Remember, that's the agent is the man. You see, the interesting thing about agency is that, and you ever notice that an attorney cannot be charged for the crimes of his mm. uh, client? Yeah. And if well, attorney and agent are the same thing... Exactly. If you're appearing in court as the agent, uh, i.e. attorney, your own attorney, yourself, basically, then you're there to administrate a, 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 a corporate fiction. But if you show up and appear, quote unquote, as the person, then you're bound to whatever the court decision and they can throw you in jail right then. Yeah.
So let's say I was to go out and hack somebody to death in the morning and I got arrested for it and I was brought into court in front of the judge or magistrate and I said, no, I well, I'm here appearing. Is that going to stop me being thrown into jail? No, it, it doesn't. It doesn't work that way. Um, you have to. You have to realize that there. Even though it's you know you've heard of honor among thieves. Yeah, right? of course. There is a system in place that is an honorable system. Um, and again, don't take honorable as good or bad, or don't don't apply your opinion of what honor is. They honor a man who can can show conclusively that he is following the law of God, law of nature. Mm-hmm. Do you think that if you hack somebody up, you're, you're, you're in good standing? Well, you're the first person who has been able to actually answer that question when I've posed it to them. because, And that, that, in essence, could explain why we have a system of civil law and criminal law and why there is a distinction because quite often people who um, might be experts in civil law say okay well you can do this you can do that you can do the other but it doesn't apply to criminal law and then when you ask the question why there's very rarely an answer and I think you've just given me that answer Clint well look at it this way man Um, what we're really talking about is is called contract law yeah once you know how think of it again this is the lesson this is the spiritual lesson you don't have to be religious to understand this in every fictional tale you've ever heard how is it that the that the devil interferes because the devil is never satan whatever is never allowed to actually interfere in your in your day-to-day life the only way that he can get you under his power is through what tricks and covert activity a contract there you go. Word, word magic. He gets you to sign a contract. All of a sudden, you're under the devil, the evil genius's plan, right? You've, you've, you've. This is why the Bible says, "Take no oath, um, show, give no fealty to anybody but God, right? But nature, the God of nature." The second you sign a contract, again, you've just. One thing, you've respected a person because you have to sign in person. You have to sign in a surname. Secondly, you're respecting the flattering titles. Thirdly, you're giving an, you're giving an oath. Uh, you're you're operating in a law that is other than God's law, right? You're doing all of, you're doing everything wrong. Well, citizenship is a contract. It's 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 a it's a tacit contractual relationship. And again. For those of you that say, and you're mistaken by this, the maxims of the principles of law actually agree with me. Um, again, not my opinion. It's a voluntary contractual relationship. Why is it voluntary? Because you participate in it. You sign your name. You use its protections. You use its security. You use all of its consumer protections, all of the benefits and all the rights, and then you're going to show up to court and say, hey, I'm not that person? That that court is going to flip you off. It's going to be like, what do you mean you're not the person? Don't be an idiot. You've acted in every way that shows that you are voluntarily operating in a commercial vessel that we provided you, and you're going to come up to me and tell me that you're not acting in that person give me a break that's ridiculous this is why i say be careful of all these gurus out there notice i haven't tried to sell you anything okay you can download my book for free um which i'm i'm now reorganizing and and redoing yeah i I don't want a thing for it man i just want people to wake up because there's no there's 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 no use for for one person to be awake for one man to be awake when everybody else is asleep 
Yeah, well, so here's the problem, man. Once you go under a contract law, you have no, you, you now have no rights. You, your rights are given to you. you. You no longer have the right of tort. You no longer have the right to, to, to complain. You, you no longer have any of those rights that we so, supposedly worship because you've accepted a different form of law. You've accepted contract law. This is a contractual relationship, which we call citizenship. It's voluntary. You confirmed it by your signature and all the things that you've acquired because of it. You've registered your house, your car, your children in that name that is not your name, the property of another. You cannot then just pretend that it's not, that you're not responsible. You must have responsibility for your actions at all time. And what, what the Bible really says is that God sees no persons. God will judge you according to your actions and your actions alone. God respects no persons or flattering titles. Take no oaths to any other God. You know, all that stuff, that's very important as law. Because once you take that contract of the devil, you've abandoned your negative rights. You've accepted positive rights, contractual rights. You no longer have a right to do anything because you've lost that unalienable right. You, you've sold it. You've been purchased. Another word for purchase is conquer. Conquer and purchase are the same thing. So, you know, again... It sounds like you're talking about religion when the whole time you're actually talking about what is the foundational principle of law. And once you, once you leave that foundational principle, which literally is established as the Bible, specifically the King James Bible, but all, if you're reading it in English, you're not reading it. If you're not going back to the Greek and, and original Latin terms, you're not reading it. You must know what its original intent is as the law. So that's, you know, if I have one message today, it's that it's, it's don't let the devils, the gods, the false gods of religion and of the state, of the church and state, any longer take you away from understanding what's written in the Bible. Because once you do understand it, you're, claim, you're reclaiming your true and natural self. You become that concept of I am, and I am nothing other than what I am. I am self-evident truth. There's nothing that you can say to me that will make me accept any name, any person, place, or thing that you throw at me, because it's all fiction. That's, that's the truth. That is the law that you should follow religiously, just like I'm drinking my cup of coffee. You're supposed to follow the law religiously. If you don't, then you're entering into a false religion. And the difference between acting religiously and being part of a religion is pretty obvious. A religion is a noun. It's a person, place, or thing. To, to act religiously is a verb or an adjective, one or the other. It's, it's to take an action and to always be in that action. That's the difference. See, I can join a religion, I can get a flattering title, and I can pretend I'm all holy and shit, or I can actually act the part and be immune from all of that fiction. So this is the choice. This is the voluntary action. We either become a dead in all these flattering titles and, and, and mortgages and contracts, or we live spiritually. We live according to the very law of nature that we cannot deny. It's, it's there. It's, it's self-existent. Or we go, you know, we, we trip and we go back into the fiction. So, you know, the, the concept of, of committing a murder, 
um, in cold blood or whatever, you're protected if that if that murder was justified. Believe it or not, if if uh, uh, for instance a private landholder in the United States, a private landholder has every right to kill someone who intrudes, a public person who intrudes on their private land, because they're sovereign over that land. Mm. They are the god of that land, right? So the, the legal system isn't going to punish them because the legal system has no power. Now, if that if that man goes off of his private land and commits an, an, an act of aggression against a United States citizen. Well, now all of a sudden you have the law of nations coming. You have the the law of the sea coming into play because now it's not so much that you've harmed a man. You've harmed the potential capital, uh, human capital potential, the, the, uh, the ability of that person, that man, who's surety for the property of the government to be taxed and licensed and extorted in every way possible. You've actually harmed government by harming its it's it's surety for its person government don't give a shit about you as a man but it certainly cares that as a man you're not going to be able to perform as an employee as an agent anymore you're not going to be able to make the government money and so you're as a private man you're going to have to pay for that you're going to have to pay for damages so you see there is sort of this very strange honor code between the private population, the landholders, and the nation that they've they've created. But you'll never see a private man take a public name. Mm. He'll never... The people that... The quote-unquote people that created the United States, the nations, okay? Another word for nation is to be born in, or goyim. The people of the nation are called the goyim, yeah. slaves. Okay, you, you're, those people who created the nation and their posterity, their bloodline, who passed the land from one family member to the next for eternity, that's eternal life, you, that, that, those people will never be United States citizens. They, 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 why would you be? Why would you give up your privacy, your unalienable rights, to accept publicity, which causes you to lose the very thing that protects your land? Yeah, it just wouldn't make sense, would it? Yeah. So, I mean, we're all born as slaves. This is what, uh, interestingly, you know, you consider the consider the story of Christ's birth. It's called the Nativity Scene. Well, uh, nativity means to be born in captivity. To be native of, perhaps, yeah? Well, that's what native means. It means captivity. Mm. So you think about it. We all have a nativity scene. Christ, Christ was not a, a man walking around. See, that's the thing about the Bible is it's, price, it's timeless. It's, it's, it has, it's, it's not a history. It is a potentiality. It is a parable. If you do this wrong, this will happen. It doesn't matter what timeline you're in. It doesn't matter if you're following the Roman, you know, Greco calendar. It's timeless. It's, it's a priceless, timeless lesson. It's a story, just like the Indians told stories to their children and their forefathers told them the same story. It's the story of the law. That's the beauty about the Bible is that it's it's actually a personified story of what the law is. You can actually follow the law by following the personified character. But in the legal system, all we have are words. We don't have a story to follow. We are the story. 
that's the that's the interesting thing about it. There's no per. This is why I wrote my book because there's the story of Christ. But hey, where's the story of the legal man, the legal person? It's not there. You have a you have an entire law book on what the person can do, but you have no story to follow to do it correctly. Right, so it's chaos, hmm. and over here you have the story of the natural law, a, a story told in a personification uh, of a man, Jesus Christ. Right, but that's a, that's not a history, because God's law is timeless. It's it has no history. It's 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 always has been, always will be. It's not made of words. It's not made of numbers. It's not made of timelines. It applies to every one of us, and so we either choose. We choose the legal story, or we choose the the law, the spiritual story, and that's what my book is trying to show is the is to tell, I should say, is the story of the legal man, the story of why we're in so much trouble. <laughs> and as is the case with so many of the conversations on Alchemy Radio, it brings us right back to the point of personal responsibility and those that are willing to take on personal responsibility and accept the consequences of their actions or inaction or otherwise. Well, there's, a, there's one more thing to it. Are you willing to die for what you believe in? If you're not, then stay in the system, man. Stay, go plug your ass back into the matrix where everything tastes like chicken, you know, and go and stay in the system. Forget it. You don't need to know all this. Just just be happy in your slavery. Mm. But if you're like me and you can't stand the notion, you can't stand the fact that you're stuck in this thing, then you better learn the alternative. You better, well, I shouldn't say the legal system is the alternative. You better learn reality. You better focus on understanding what the law is now the entire structure is to, is to keep you away from the bible to keep you away from the law the bible you know in in churches the, the bible is furniture just like in masonic lodges uh the three sacred holy books in the masonic lodges are they call it furniture and it's the bible the quran and the talmud Okay, hmm. that is the furniture of the lodge the bible is just the furniture of the church it's, just, it's an excuse to pretend that it's a justifiable uh, concept. But in fact, it goes against the Bible. It's there to deceive. It's there to take you away from the very thing that will set you free. That's, I mean, to me, you know, that's the, and that's the epitome of my research to this point is to discover that the whole system is there to take you away from the, from the figurative, metaphoric, parabolic, uh, allegoric notion of the Bible, and that we all have a nativity scene, and that the story of Christ is the story of each one of us. And the only way that Christ will return is when we start acting Christ-like. There is no God. There's no returning God. They call the, the gods of the Zodiac are all the returning gods. They eventually come back around, don't they? Hmm. This is the concept of the returning God. No, the, re the return of Christ as written in the Bible means that you actually start acting Christ-like. It means that you start following the natural law, that you become responsible for your own actions, and that you start fighting against all of this artifice, against the devils that make up the gods that make up this stuff. You, you got to understand, man, there's, 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 the, the Bible says separate yourself from, from, it says circumcise yourself. 
The Jews made that into a custom where they cut off your, the tip of your penis. Circumcised means to separate. You're supposed to circumcise yourself from this society that is completely corrupt. Under no circumstances should you try to live amongst the people that are completely corrupt and not like-minded to yourself. The Bible is not a peaceful book. It is not something, I mean, it promotes peace, but it tells you, hey, get the hell away from these people who, who are not like you, who are not like-minded, who refuse to follow the law. Why would you try to live amongst them, right? There's mm. plenty of nature out there. There's plenty of room out there for you to go. So, you know, I, this, it's, it's a beautiful book. It's all I can say. And, and, and the, the notion that it's been taken away from it, it's been stolen, the natural beauty, the wondrous law of nature, the self-evidence of everything has been taken away and replaced by so many systems and so many false artificial things, the church and the state and all the cults and all the things that follow. That, you know, that's, that's – I, I get a lot of ridicule my friend, for talking this way, for, for nobody seems to listen. I'm, I keep telling, I keep saying, it's not religion, it's law. It's not religion, it's law. Quit blaming me for being a Bible thumper or some kind of religious zealot or nut. Yeah. Uh, listen to what I'm telling you. Stop, you know, don't not listen to me just because I'm talking about the most famous book in history, the most revered book in history, and you're going to dismiss me because I'm talking about the very structure of your law that you're participating in. <laughs> okay. I don't know what to do. What can I do? What can I do except continue to try and and get people back on track, right? Well, I think you're doing a mighty fine job of it, Clint, uh, for what that's worth. So tell us how people can find out more about you, your work, and if they'd like to get their hands on the book or anything like that as well. The book is downloadable for free, uh, always will be, at strawmanstory.info. Um, the book is not for sale. I'm going to be printing the book, and I did collect donations from people to print it. But it's not for sale, and that is explained in the book, because the only way I can sell it is to publicize it, to, to make it public, to publish it. And I'm keeping it private. And that's all explained in the first little section of the book. Um, strawmanstory.info and, and, and again, um, this this is a compilation of, of life's, my life's work really. Uh, it is a way to, it is a way to examine the, the legal law and the scriptural law, the moral law, in other words, the unwritten law versus the written law. It is a way for people to not have to go through the, the hell that I've been through for the last 12 years deciphering all of this stuff full time without pay, without anything, you know, without any support, hardly, uh, except for the good people that have supported me. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, I haven't worked in uh, eight years. Uh, I've been full time researcher and activist. Um, I have a blog. It's got uh, hundreds of entries. It was reality blogger. .wordpress.com um, thecorporationnation.com is where I keep my documentaries um, other than that there's thousands at least a thousand radio shows out there in the nether that I've, that I've participated in um, I have a guy, Drew Drew Carter, great guy he archives my radio shows at uh Corporation Nation Radio Archives dot WordPress dot com and I'll send you that link. 
I love the work that you're doing, Clint. I will continue to follow it. And I really look forward to speaking again. Hopefully you'll come back onto Alchemy and have another chat because there is so much that we didn't even scratch the surface of there. Just, it's, it's a never-ending rabbit hole, I think. And I'd love to delve further into it if that's something you're open to. Absolutely, man. I enjoyed it. Fantastic. I have the power. You have the power. We have the power. Clint Richardson, thank you for joining me on Alchemy. Thank you so much. Take care. Alchemy. 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 I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Alchemy. Remember, we rely on donations to keep the show in its current advertising and free, completely free format indeed, and are very grateful for all the help that you can offer us. As I said earlier, no fixed cost on donations and it all helps. So the price of a cup of coffee, a sandwich, um, a small convertible car maybe would certainly help keep us afloat and go a long, long way. Our donate button is on the website and all support and assistance is hugely appreciated. So thank you all for your recent support indeed. Until the next time, I have the power, you have the power, we have the power.